This is the Auto What Podcast, a bi-weekly show where we interview different people from around Ottawa. My name is Amon Bashir. With me is Rob Trell and Keegan On, And our guest today is Colin White. Hi. Not the hockey player. No. You get that all the time? Uh, not that often, but there there has been uh, some issues, I guess, with that. A issues? A little, little bit. Well, I don't know. Yeah, issues. Twitter, mainly Twitter. Oh. Uh, yeah. You, you get much many more followers. I, I, no, I don't <laughs> oh. think so. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made some quips about the uh, LeBreton um, Flats development and the, you know, the stadium being put down there and all that. Oh. And uh I sort of generally avoid, uh, you know, talking about hockey or sports or whatever on Twitter. And there was, there was a few, uh, hockey people that retweeted me and kind of were saying, you know, this guy's, well, look, their own, their own, uh, player, uh, you know, whatever rookie up and coming rookie is, is Uh, dissing the, (laughs) (laughs) dissing the thing. And I was just like, okay, well, it's interesting. And then there's of course the retired or the new, right. You went through two tiers of a hockey player named Colin uh, white. Yeah. I couldn't, uh, I was like, okay, like these guys are going to retire by 36, whatever, like, you know, whatever it is. And I'll, then I'll have the the Google search, yeah, you know, yeah. after that, and that then like sense. literally, he's he's I think the New Jersey Devils guys. I think he's <laughs> he's sort of moved on, and now yeah. the same year, right? The well, Senators man. guy, that's and he's thing. in Ottawa, so well, that's that's worse, right? That's, because the, the Devils guy retired in 2012, if okay. I remember correctly, and right. uh, yeah, this this uh, senator came in last year, the year before, yeah, a lot, and yeah. Uh, that's worse because you're in Ottawa as well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. I was trying to think if there's something I could do with it or, or you know, build on it, but I was just like, ah. Dinner reservations. First of all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if you have any ideas for Colin, uh, email us at mail at ottawapodcast.com. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, with that, uh, you see in front of us, we have some beer. Uh, so uh, go ahead, try the beer. Um, before Rob gets to it, I want to say that this was donated to the podcast, which yeah, is great. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I didn't catch his last name, but a, a guy named AJ in the Hamilton area gave some uh, <laughs> some some guy on the street. Like the, uh, no, he's a marketer for Side Launch Brewing Company, and he gave uh, some uh, some for us to sample. So, what are we sampling, Rob? This is the Dark Lager Brew. I, they don't seem to have a, an official name for it, other than the fact that it is a Dark Lager, and it's called Dark Lager. But uh, they call it authentic Munich style, and uh, it's bottom fermented dark beer. And characteristically, a little sweet in the start with a good multi character and continuing with a long, complex finish. I mm. I don't know what a lot of that means, but uh, honestly, like taste it, and that is a an apt description. Perfect. It's uh, it's yeah, it's fantastic. It, it certainly does start a lot more sweet than you'd, you'd think, almost like a cask beer of sorts. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it uh, yeah, hmm. and then you just kind of ride it out. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> It's good. It's kind of sour, like like yeah, sourdough yeah. almost. Definitely. Mm-hmm. In a good way. Mm-hmm. I got that. There's um there's coordinates on this, and I, th- I believe there are on all side lock beers, if I'm not mistaken. Do you, do you know yeah, what that I means? Think so. Do I know what it means? The, is it on their, their website by chance? No. I will follow up. We'll it's probably it. just the brewery, but I will look up where this is. Do that. Yeah. Uh, while we do that, Colin, what uh, what do you think of the beer? Yeah, I like it. Nice can. Uh, yeah, you know it's a nice looking can. It's always uh, oh, always design. key. Yeah, design's design. important. Yeah, design's important. Yeah, um, I like the beer. Like I said uh, before we start, I'm a bit of a lager pilsner sort of 
type guy, uh, getting made fun of by my friends who are into the hoppy craft craft brew stuff. Yeah, but yep, uh, yep. I think this is one that you could, you know, as a lager guy, I could I could drink and still feel, you know, like I'm drinking something with a little more, you know, pizzazz to it, as it were. Mm, I get it. Yep. Um, I don't know if I drink five of them in a row. Right. That's the key. <laughs> that's the key. But but you can you can certainly enjoy one. Yeah, absolutely. They, okay. they call it a session beer. Which, oh, it is a session, which means that it, it is meant for five. Well, maybe not five. In theory, but, yeah. But I'm sure I could drink five yeah. in a row yeah. if I tried. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm let's sh- do it, guys. <laughs> Keegan, what do you think? Uh, yeah, like I said, it, it's a bit sour on the on the tail end. Um, and it's, uh, it's unusual. I, I uh, have never really tasted something like it. It's, it's very dark, but it, but it doesn't have that heavy, you know, dark it's not heavy. Like, I like that. taste or something. Agreed. Yeah. Like okay. It. Colin, as a, uh, an artist, are there... Uh, do you have favorite beer can designs or do you think, you know, someone does a really good job with their beer marketing versus a bad job? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, uh, I definitely have been known to purchase, uh, beers or wine based on the, the label, yeah. not knowing anything else about it. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely kind of feel, uh, a bit bad if I'm buying a beer that's even if I like the beer and it's a good price. If the if the design's terrible, I'm just like I'm yeah I'm not a good uh, you know <laughs> doing my graphic design uh, past uh, <laughs> not a favor yeah yeah. Bose recently has had some really nice stuff. Bose is always good. Yeah, Beyond the yeah, Pale yeah. Um, has been doing oh, nice yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, bringing in artists uh, to design uh, mm-hmm. different labels there, and then Collective Arts is the other one. Yeah, that's yeah. Good, uh, a whole range of uh, different uh, collective arts. I can't. Yeah, we've can't, had a couple of theirs, but they picture anything. They've, they're specifically. I don't know if it's commissioned by them for the the beer, but uh, yeah, they have local artists, I guess, or at least Canadian I, artists. Yeah, I don't know if it's commissioned. I think. I think, and don't no one quote me on this, but sure. I think that you artists would send in stuff or kind of apply okay. to sort of oh, have nice. have it on, um, you know, on labels and then they would arrange something at that point, I guess. Sure. And I, but so I think like the beers, you know, they've got a certain number of beers and then it's like, Hey, then we're doing this art on, on that same okay. beer type thing. So I don't think the beer changes. Right. I could be wrong on all this too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Now, now I, now I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> it, it took me a second, but yeah, I, I do. I can picture it exactly. Yeah. And I think they were, uh, I think they might have been at uh, Ottawa Beer Craft Beer Festival as well, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's neat to see all that lined up, which is cool. To uh, to follow up before yes. we move on, the this this uh, set of coordinates that is on the can, it, presumably this is the brewery, although because it, it's not exact, it's very close to exact. It goes down to the second. There's degrees and then minutes and then seconds. Yep. I believe it goes a little bit like you can get into percentages of a second. Uh, this is, however, the, the, this specific set of coordinates does take you to a port or something appear of some kind on, uh, a street called side launch way anyways. And, uh, there's an LCBO there, but it is, is this in Collingwood by chance? Probably. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what Collingwood is. Somewhere in Southern Ontario. One of those lakes, you know. I don't know. I'm oh. not, I'm from Alberta, so I don't know what which Great Lake is which. That's I, wonderful. You've been extremely helpful. I failed social <laughs> studies, uh, but yeah, like the no, I'm going to call that Northern Ontario because I've been here long nope. enough that nope, don't do that. <laughs> it looks like Northern Ontario. See what I mean about not being from here? Okay, but uh, yeah, it's this kind of the furthest south the upper lake goes. 
Okay. All right. So that it's like the north part of southern Ontario. Mm. Thank you. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Colin had to lean over to interpret what Rob was saying. There's actually a place just south of where this, wherever this, whatever this. It's just it's a small town. Yeah, that's but, what we uh, call Collingwood. There's actually a, a town called Nottawa that's like right just south of it. Mm. Fun fact. So I'm going to move on from that. Fair enough. Great. Thank you for your input, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm teasing you, man. Uh, yeah. Colin. Collingwood. I, I zoomed in another level and it showed up. Collingwood. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. We figured that out. <laughs> Colin, tell us a bit about yourself. So uh, where are you from and then sort of how did you get to where you are? Sure. Um, I grew up in the Ottawa Valley, so like an hour west of here. Uh, and I studied, I went to York for a year in Toronto, went to Montreal to finish my degree at Concordia, did a master's in the United Kingdom. And I studied, oh. actually studied graphic design, but I was like the graphic design guy that could draw, uh, okay. Oh, okay. really well. Um, and like everyone could sort of draw, but, but not, you know, uh, only up to a certain point, I guess. Um, so I was sort of doing more illustration within within the graphic design degree and also did a bit of a few products that were really comic based graphic novel based, um, projects. Um, so that was, uh, that sort of took me through, there's someone else coming in the room here. Yeah. Oh, that's (laughs) producer producer Zach. Zach. He just kind of walks around. Hi Zach. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You guys didn't warn me about Zach. Yeah, that was, that was my, he only comes in when we don't warn the guests. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, did a, my, uh, masters in, um, in, uh, London and, and focused that on, uh, graphic travelogue. Um, so the, this notion of creating, um, travelogue through, uh, you know, using graphics, illustrations, uh, comic stories, um, this sort of thing. So that brought me back in a roundabout way back to Ottawa. I, I was going to teach in the UK and a visa didn't work out. And I kind of ended up back in the home city of Ottawa, which I never lived in, but it grew up nearby. I started freelancing for people. Um, I started developing clients and, and, you know, a network of people. And I had friends here and, and friends moving back here and stuff. And so I just, uh, yeah, found a, a great spot in the city. Great, uh, sublet with, uh, my my uh, uh, my high school art teacher, my former high school art teacher, oh. he had a really uh, cheap apartment that he was using one room as a painting studio, and I got to rent the rest of the apartment for like four hundred bucks, which was uh, it's just like a steal uh, even back yeah, in the day. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and uh, so we sort of shared this space together. He didn't live there, but he he kind of worked nine to five there type thing, and. Mm. Uh, um, you know, I ended up kind of really liking that apartment and making friends in the building and, and having, um, you know, starting to really actually enjoy Ottawa and, and get to know Ottawa. And what, what I did that first summer was, um, you know, I, I basically would leave the apartment and just wander around and look for somewhere interesting to sketch and, you know, somewhere warm to sit, uh, and I'd sit and sketch whatever, whatever it was. And kind of get to know the city a little bit by by just sort of wandering, wandering around. So one way I'd go, one day I'd go east, one day I'd go west, north, south, whatever. Um, you know, go up to Bank Street, go to Elgin, whatever. Uh, and and I produced a series of sketches that first summer, and um, yeah, started meeting people, doing that as well. People started inquiring about possibly buying them or doing commissions, this type of thing. Uh, and I I kind of yeah, really, um, you know, fell in love with this idea of what's called urban sketching, 
which is which is sketching out in the urban environment. Okay. Um, uh, or, and uh, the other word would be plein air, sketching on plein air. Okay. In French, so in sketching in the in the in the fresh air. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily need to be doing it in an urban environment. You can obviously do it out in the countryside or whatever. Right. But living in a city, not having a car, sure. you know, uh, and loving what the city has to offer all these all these uh you know everything that that, that uh, you know that comes with that um yeah so i i sort of started this urban sketching path at that point and i saw that as a a form of travelogue um it was a way to um explore the city uh with new eyes and you know, I, I had just moved here. I sort of knew the city in a in a vague sense from you know coming with my parents when I was a kid or whatever. Yeah. But this was just like okay, I'm going to go and end up in some random spot that you would never go. No one would ever take you there. There'd be no reason for you to go. And I would just go there. And I'm like, I like the look of that streetscape right there. I'm going to sit hmm. and draw that. Yeah. And so it it um, became, yeah, sort of traveling through the city that you lived in. Um, and I started creating simultaneously to that, um, started documenting some experiences that I would have uh, while sketching. Most of them were just people stopping to talk and curious about what I was doing. Um, so we'd have these little kind of uh, funny interactions or um, you know, they would, they would make funny comments or, you know, sometimes you would have people who were, uh, a little, um, you know, off, I guess I will say, or, or, um, you know, um, little, little more, uh, uh, interesting conversations, eccentric, I guess. Eccentric, maybe. Eccentric, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I made, I produced a little, uh, sort of small comic book based on, so it was like a sketch of whatever. And then, um, you know, four panel or six panel comic of what happened while I was sketching okay. that type thing. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, that's sort of the start of it. And then that sort of led me through freelancing, you know, in the years since uh, doing graphic design, illustration and building up this urban sketching, um, you know, career essentially. Sure. And that's, that's documenting buildings that I like in the city and sometimes getting wind of buildings or just, you know, knowing buildings are going to, uh, storefronts are going to close um, and so doing, doing illustrations of those that people want to own because they loved hmm. going to, you know, whatever it was. I mean, where, where we are, there's Don Alfonso was, was close by. That was yeah. a Spanish restaurant that closed uh, many years ago now, but sure. I happened to do a sketch that first summer of that place and that place is around for 30 years and, right. and, you know, people went for, you know, whatever it was, anniversary dinners, yeah, first yeah. dates, all this sort of stuff that people, that, 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 um, all this meaning that that a building or a place can have to people as as they go through their own life, and it can have different meanings to different people, uh, you know, across the board, essentially. So, sure. yeah, I started I started realizing that there was something more to this than just me out, you know, sitting in the sun and and getting to know Ottawa, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so what do you do with all these urban sketches? Like, do you, do you? Do you keep them to yourself? Do you? I know there's some of them that that you you know you're, you're selling and all, but uh, yeah, what's um, I try and get uh, I try and get them out there. I yeah. try and uh, you know get them on my website. I try and get them to a finished point where they could be accessible to buy um, 
I don't, no, that doesn't happen with all of them. And sometimes it's just, I was actually been doing this today. Just the sheer amount of them is, is like, there's a backlog. There's, there's, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that I need to go back and, you know, scan and polish up and sort of do all this stuff too. So, um, yeah, ideally if I'm kind of thinking about it, if I'm aware of it, then I'll be doing something that, that, um, so there's a couple examples recently, um, like Bushi's on Elgin just closed up. Yes. Yeah. 70 years, you know, everyone, everyone in the city kind of knows it and, you know, at some point may have lived close to it. And that was the place where you got whatever at 11 PM. Yep. Um, so that one I did three or four versions, three or four different angles of, um, over the course of the summer, this past summer and, and, you know, sold a number of prints of those to people, uh, you know, again, different, different associations too. The other one that's happening kind of right now as we're recording this is Monopolate down in Chinatown yes, is right. closing up as well. We just this week, the end of the week. Yeah. That. yeah. So I've got that one's in process. I did the sketch out on location in front of the building last week. And I'm now kind of in the process of touching that up, getting it scanned and, doing the coloring work, which is, which happens digitally okay. and then being able to make reproductions, digital reproductions, fine art, uh, print that, that, uh, again, I could sell on my website. Yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, what percentage of the sketches you've done do you think you've, you've posted if you can ballpark it? Oh, Just man. because I, I imagine <laughs> there's a lot of finishing that goes into it. Yeah. Um, I would, I would guess like actually posted, I don't know. It might be like thirty or forty percent. Like right. I don't know. That seems like yeah. a lot. That it seems does. like a lot of work. It might yeah. even be that. Even might be high uh-huh. and like finished work. It's probably like yeah, fifteen, twenty. Okay. I don't know. But like uh-huh. at a certain point, I started. I started becoming more aware of like, okay, I'm doing something that could be saleable. Like that could right. that I that I, I'm going to want to sell. Um, so that at that point, things sort of changed a bit. As like I was producing. Um, pieces that I wanted to either have reproduced or that I knew people might be interested in buying. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. But Colin, yeah, that's a good question. A about the, um, the intersection between <clears throat> sketching and um, this, the design you do digitally. Like to, to me as a, a non-artist, that's, those seem almost like opposite ideas, you know, mm. like drawing freehand yeah. versus, you know, using the computer to touch stuff up. Can you talk about where those meet and how you combine that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess there's maybe a couple ways to look at that, but, um, so my own artwork, like the own urban sketching stuff is very, it is, you know, there's no rulers, it's rough, it's, uh, Mm -hmm. um, raw and, um, you know, it is scanned in and, uh, you know, digitized. And then the way that I, uh, sort of finish it off is it it still keeps that uh, rawness, I guess there's actually, you know, you could, it is vectorized and, and people think vectorized, they think this sort of very clean kind of, there's a specific look that, that a lot of things have that are vectorized. Um, but I, I essentially draw in a vector program like, like it was paint. So it's like the lines are messy. There's, I let, I, I have a little, I make a little mistake, a little blob, I leave it, you know, like, so okay. it's, it's sort of, um, I try and maintain that, that kind of roughness through the mm. whole thing. Um, and, and, you know, when I produce stuff, the prints, a lot of people sort of look at them and think they're paintings or think they're like a silkscreen type reproduction. Right. Um, and then on the other hand, like I do, I did study graphic design and, and, you know, I do do graphic design projects and like I design my own business cards and website and all this sort of stuff. So I've got that technical skill as well, which is, mm-hmm. which is, you know, different from what I'm doing. It's very useful for me to have that. So you, you might, 
I like the term, uh, you know, like an, uh, you know, designer illustrator or an illustratory designer type thing, okay. like kind of a little weighted towards illustration, but with, with that kind of, yeah. uh, yeah. Background in graphic design. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. So what, uh, are there certain things about Ottawa, but a city, uh, that, that sort of like pulls you in, uh, whether it's architecture, whether it's streetscapes, as you mentioned earlier, uh, anything. Yeah. Um, it's sort of hard to put your finger on, but I, I've definitely been drawn to things that are, um, where change does seem kind of inevitable. So I did a series a few years ago of corner stores, like neighborhood stores. Yeah. And, um, these are, these are places, my, my criteria was like, they got to be in a neighborhood. They can't be on a main street. They got to have an apartment above or beside them. <laughs> mm-hmm. They got to have generally brick, uh, you know, building, but I wasn't totally picking on that. And then there's got to be like a, uh, you know, it's got to be kind of one of these stores that has, you know, lotto tickets, cigarettes, mm-hmm. chips, or whatever, right. all this sort of stuff. Right. So it was this, this series of things, the signs generally are faded, mm-hmm. um, old soft drink, signs, vintage soft drink signs. And sure. So all of this sort of stuff. And, um, uh, you know, there was something to them that I couldn't put my finger on that I liked. Um, and that, that I think carries across the board, um, with, with my interests. I'm not really, I'm not particularly interested in, you know, a, a new, a new building, uh, with a new fresh sign. And I don't exactly know why that is, but I think there's something about mm. the weathered aspect of it, mm-hmm. but the decay about, um, yeah, I mean, just as a building gets older, it does, it, you know, it inevitably sort of fades in, in mm-hmm. that sense, right? It's getting, it's the paints peeling, all this sort of stuff. But as that's happening, there's all of these sort of stories or memories or whatever it is that the people coming and going through the buildings, whether they're customers shopping in the store or whether they lived in the apartment or whatever it is, right. uh, you know, increasingly sort of gather. And so as I'm sketching, there is, there's also this simultaneous interaction with people on the, on the street in front of the buildings. And so they'll tell them, oh yeah, I used to, I love, you know, going and getting candy there when I was a kid. And now, now I live down the street and my kids go there or whatever it is, right? right? Stuff right. like this. Um, yeah. So I think there is something about that, that um, decay that kind of tells more of a story um, sure. for me as well. And I like, I like the aspects of a, of a city that, um, I don't want to say the hidden aspects, but the things that make up a city. So like telephone poles, garbage cans, mailboxes, um, these sort of things that we don't notice almost as you're walking through the city. Um, And so last year, just to switch it up a little bit, last year I did a project, which was a group group project. Uh, I I got a number of artists together and we uh, traveled around the city sketching different alleyways. Um, So... Uh, you know, like this one, um, you know, near, near Bank Street here, one behind Elgin, um, you know, all, all through the city, little alleys, bigger alleys, and same type of thing. I mean, we're all looking at these, um, places in the city that you, the city almost is intentionally trying to hide on people, right? So you have the, the, the storefronts in the front of a city where the front of a street where you've got your signs and your open sign and come on in and buy stuff and whatever. But in order to do that, you need to have a dumpster out back and you need right. grease, grease traps out back yeah. and you need to have, you know, staff smoking cigarettes out back <laughs> and all this sort of stuff that's kind of like a little bit hidden from the city, but yeah, right. that's actually what it takes to make a city operate. Hmm, and I like so, that. so just being kind of interested in aware of of, of everything that it, that a city needs and that we need to live together in the city and all this stuff 
rather than just kind of looking at like the polished front of, of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, bring it back quickly to those corner stores that you're talking about. Mm. Uh, there's a, there is or was a bylaw in place to keep it intact in, in, or, or at least grandfather them in in some way, right? Could you speak of it? To yeah. Them? So this is something that I learned during the whole project and it was a very interesting sort of arc, you know, story arc really. Um, so I started doing them just, I started doing them because I was actually initially hired by um, a fellow named Charlie who grew up in Mike's Corner Store um, over on Rochester Street. And he commissioned me to do that store that he grew up in that his parents were selling and, and moving on. So I did a view kind of from the corner there. But as I was doing that, I started meeting these people, talking about it, and just thinking about these buildings. And so that led me to do uh, my own personal series of a bunch of these types of stores. So I actually redid Mike's from a different angle and did a bunch of other store, uh, stores uh, like that. And uh, what I learned uh, was that the city had grandfathered in these stores about 30 years ago. So um, you couldn't, if you sold that store, if the landlord sold a store and then the new landlord renovated the corner store and put an apartment in there, yeah. and then they sold it again in a few years, you couldn't turn it back to a corner store even though it used to be five years ago and even, you know, and then so that, so that's sort of what slowly led them all to kind of go away or, or, and that's certainly why we didn't see any new ones. That's why they kind of had this look that was like this old look. And what also happened simultaneously was um, the distributors stopped. um, They kind of were drawn out to the box stores and stuff. like that. So it wasn't necessarily the rise of the box stores, but it was the distributors stopping going to, these stores, so like Coke or, or, you know, Chip Hostess, whatever, these companies would come mm-hmm. by and they'd be like, hey, you know, we got this for you. And if you buy this much, we'll give you a deal and da da da. And, and they drop it off and it's there. Now the owners of these stores had to go out to places like Walmart or Costco, whatever, find it, get the deals, bring them right, back. So right. then they've got to have a car and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So um, a few years ago, I was contacted by people in at the, at the city of Ottawa in the, um, planning department and they said that they were working on a new bylaw uh, or I guess revising the bylaw to allow for new uh, neighborhood stores and they right. wanted to know if I would uh, you know if they could buy the the rights to um, reproduce some of my illustrations of these corner stores and I was like sure so we had a meeting and wow. like the guys and and um, I let them use a few um, a few illustrations and then that project you know, obviously you go through the city bureaucracy and things take a few years. Sure. And, um, so they, they kind of worked on that for a bit. And then, uh, I think it was two years ago, they had a public meeting where they had come up with the new law, the new bylaw. And then they'd come, right. they'd come up with places that were, uh, uh, that you could, um, potentially put one of these stores in. So it wasn't like you go and just put one in anywhere now. It was like, sure. there's a few zones where we're, where this kind of like almost like a trial run type thing. And so I went to the community meeting and, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been to one of these things, but it's like <laughs> the people that show up at these are not in favor of whatever's happening. You know, you've got <laughs> yeah. 250 people showing up and they're all, you know, it's like out of parks and rec. Yeah. It's that's like, what I was thinking of. Like, <laughs> Me too. You know, it's it's exactly like that, and you're just oh, like, no. what is going on here? You know, like you and 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 these are the same people. You know, if they went over to Europe, 
they would be walking down the street, be like, oh, that's a quaint little cafe at the end of the street with a patio and stuff. And you're like, that's what they're trying to do here. Like, that's what they're trying to do. So, um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting. So I think that that's, um, actually, I'm not totally sure of where the, what the current status of that is, but I, I think that sort of things are sort of forging ahead with that. And, okay. and, uh, you know, they've, they've changed this ridiculous bylaw. So right. good on, good on the city for that. Good on them for sure. Yeah. Out of curiosity, uh, before we jump to a segment, uh, what, uh, what were some of the complaints again? Do you, do you recall? <laughs> yeah, um, like, uh, well, parking, park, you know, are you going to have parking lots? And that was like, a, you couldn't have a parking lot. Could you have, so in theory, it would have allowed possibly a Starbucks to, to go in, to, oh, to go okay. in to one of these places. But like, it couldn't be bigger than a thousand square feet. They couldn't have a parking lot. They couldn't put a drive through window. Okay. And I think patios were another thing. Patios, like huh. sidewalk patios and whatever. Were not permitted? No, they were permitted oh, they in were. the initial in the initial proposal, and I think the city actually backtracked on that because they thought that that was going to be an, an issue of real contention. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, people thought that yeah, traffic. There's going to be cars racing down to get to this place, and you know, <laughs> noise, people partying, and and like the whole oh, yeah. works. Yeah, just just it was uh, it was a scene. It was hmm. really a scene. Yeah, it's the exact same thing as the the. That mega park they're putting in Mooney's Bay. Yes, like, that's right. The same arguments. Yeah, yeah. Around there, like there's gonna be more traffic. It's yeah, gonna change the. Yeah. So, I, I read somewhere that like one person's complaint was it's gonna change the the makeup of the neighborhood. <laughs> right. Too many kids. <laughs> over over Great. what the next five or ten years? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a long game here, Rob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the problem about those public forums is that um, you know the the people who are going to get up and go are going to be the people who are opposed, right? Yeah. If yeah. you are in favor of something, there's a lot less, uh, yeah, you stay uh, home, you go, stay yeah. home and you do whatever you want to do. Right. And you're like, yeah, that's Sounds a great good. idea. Yeah. Good work guys. Yeah. And you don't know that this is happening. It was right. a real revelation. to actually yeah, see yeah. it. But th- that's, yeah. that's arguably the reason why they have them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like even, you know, uh, uh, what is it? The little notices they have whenever, uh, uh somebody's looking to, to change, uh, zoning for yeah, example, yeah. or what have you. It's like, you if have you have to go through consultations and yeah. let yeah. me know or let us know. I think it's just, you somehow need to encourage the people that support it to come out. And yeah. That's, yeah. that's the harder thing to, to do. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Uh, so let's jump to this segment. Uh, Keegan, what do you got? Classic Ottawa is our news segment. We talk about what's going on in the city. Um, let's see what's going on in the city. Ride-sharing apps like Uber will become legal in Ottawa at the end of this month. The news comes as a relief to many users as they will finally have something to talk about with their drivers. (laughs) (laughs) It is awkward, right? It's really awkward. You know, I I hear people complain about that, but I... I like talking to my driver. Oh, I, I I don't mind it, but I even today I was talking to somebody who this weekend they were uh, they were in Uber and they're like, uh, so how's your night going? And then the driver's like, good. It's like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of these rides. <laughs> yeah. Colin, do you take Uber or cab? Yeah, I do. I, I I was a guy that wouldn't take a cab. I take one cab a year type thing. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then Uber came around, and I was like, I'm taking one a month. Yeah. I you know, so same. I was I was yeah. a new customer to. Yeah. You know, I wasn't yeah, taking yeah, money from cabs at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, interesting how that works. It's just so easy. It's, it's, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's comfortable, and and it's yeah. I you know it's, I like the tracking aspect of it as well. Right. Yeah, like it sort yeah. of feels safer. And, That's yeah. I'd be interested to see what um, um, you know, what percentage of people started using, uh, 
any These of those services. services yeah because i was the same way i would i would mm-hmm. never think of, i would just take a bus an hour anywhere instead mm-hmm. of yeah dealing I, with a cab yeah. i'm the same way yeah, yeah. 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 i never <laughs> took a cab and yeah. I, i've taken uber so 100 percent, i guess is i <laughs> i had one it's probably about a month ago or maybe even two now but the 90 the first 90 percent of the ride was totally i was actually coming here to do a podcast and the first 90% of the ride was totally normal. We were having conversation. Everything was great. And then the last 10%, we hit construction over on uh, Catherine for like the last two blocks. And he started going on a rant about government and just like it was, it was so intense. And, the, and then I feared for my life a little bit and then got out and everything was fine. But it's so weird. Like that was my most cab-like experience. Okay, I guess so. Just don't hate construction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, controversial Senator Patrick Brazo returned to work this week after being suspended with pay for over three years due to legal troubles. While many are upset that the politician continued to be paid during his leave, Brazo defended himself this morning, saying that in his three years' absence, he did just as much work as any other senator. <laughs> That'll be true. That's good. You have an alternate for that too, right? Eh? Oh, yes, an alternate. Uh. <laughs> Uh, controversial Senator Patrick Brazo returned to work this week after being suspended for three years while facing charges of fraud, assault, and possession of cocaine. Brazo seems eager to be back and has already tabled a bill which would allow senators to charge prostitutes to their expense accounts. <laughs> That's good. Great. Um, Senate, thought in the Senate. No, you, you don't need to do this every time. <laughs> keep, going, keep going, keep going. It's useless. Okay. <laughs> Ottawa's police chief is accusing the Soya Spot, a restaurant in Carlington, of being a hotbed of criminal activity as it was the scene of a murder this past weekend. Police admit that they should have investigated the restaurant sooner as their special dish is Cobb Killer Salad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm growing here. I was telling the guys before my wife threatened oh, to man. leave me if I said that one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, different demographics like different things. Absolutely. Yeah. for like a five year old. Yeah. A new survey suggests that significant portions of Ontario University students have mental health issues and calls on schools to do more to address the problem. While identifying students' mental health uh, mental issues is difficult. A good place to start would be flagging those who choose to do a double major in subjects like pure mathematics and mechanical engineering. <laughs> <laughs> those might be the sanest people. Oh man, I can't imagine. Can you imagine doing one of those degrees? I guess maybe. No, you, you got you did maybe science, one. Right? You guess both did science. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I did a history degree. So yeah, yeah. Mm, we're in the same. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Arts, yeah. Arts, yeah. I did chemistry, and that's always the one that every time I say, "Oh, I have a master's in chemistry," they go, oh, "Yeah, I hated chemistry in high school." <laughs> that's the only reaction every time. <laughs> oh, no, yes. Yeah. Either, either. Oh, yeah, I did science too, and I did this, or oh, I hated that class. Mm-hmm. There's no in between. Yeah, polarizing. Mm. There you go. Uh, in another local survey, most Ottawa residents are fine with the capital becoming officially bilingual in time for the. The, uh, for Canada's 150th celebration in 2017. The same survey suggests that most respondents had no idea Ottawa wasn't already bilingual. That was my exact really? thought. Yeah. I also thought that. <laughs> That's right. it. Is it. It is not bilingual. Wait, it's huh. not, apparently. Mm. It's just French, right? That's... <laughs> That's right, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Calling you parlay France. Hey, wow. Very, poor, very poorly. Oh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> understood yeah. that, which is probably bad, actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, the... The space between France and A. France. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Ottawa is one away from breaking its annual shooting record this year as we recorded the 49th of the season this past weekend. 
The internet has been buzzing over the news with messages of condolence and concern coming in from all across Canada and congratulatory messages from the States. <laughs> for, for the record, low. Oh, just record shoot it. They like yes, that. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the news this week in Ottawa. For more fake news, go to ottawapodcast.com slash news. So close. News. Oh, Ottawa what podcast? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Did you say Ottawa? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> it's, it's a hard name. We got to rebrand. My mom calls it Ottawa what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, think, we've had that before. I think right? The mayor also said Ottawa what? He tweeted uh, Ottawa what? Yeah, 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 which is worse actually. Yeah, that's forever. It's written. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we we have him. Uh, well, a naughty clip of him saying Ottawa what? Yes, so that's a plus. So that's all right. Colin, if you could rename our podcast, <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, it's okay. a new segment. Yeah, <laughs> name our podcast on the spot. I like the name. I think yeah. it's good. Yeah, yeah. it's. That's, I think it's clever. Oh, very nice. Fun Wait. fact: it, uh, I proposed it first thing. I threw up. Both these guys uh, said absolutely <laughs> right. not. No, we, 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 we said like, oh, we'll come up with something better. We'll, that, leave right. that for now. And yeah. You kind of like sit on it and mull it over, and then yeah. uh, a week later, you're just like, that's ah, actually pretty yeah, good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> good. It grows on you. That's a yeah. good. That's a good. When, thing. Once people have that's heard true. it said out loud, I think it's fine. It's when it's when you just see it written, it's hard to say it for yeah. the, you, your I, mind tends to want to complete the word ottawa yeah i think what, what didn't help is that our, our logo at the time used some kind of like halloween horror mm, font yeah. <laughs> and uh and i yeah it, it just made it look worse but uh we've got we've come a long way from there have, yeah <laughs> <laughs> who made that one was that was, that you? That was keegan yeah oh Me? there you go yeah i, I thought that you made the halloween thing. you made the halloween one oh, yeah, i don't know there you go like that. <laughs> um colin I, I, I wanted to ask you a bit about um how you or just about like art and drawing in general, because I think drawing and sketching is something that a lot of people do, you know, maybe as kids or mm-hmm. as teens, but then at some point you must have to make a conscious decision to, to take, you know, a pastime and make it into, you know, make a choice to, to follow mm-hmm. it as a career when you could, you know, potentially do something safer maybe, or yeah. uh, is there anything like that for you? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I did, you know, as a kid, I was always doing something creative mm-hmm. and drawing was cartooning. This type of thing was always there. Uh, at a certain point, I decided I wanted to be an animator. Right. Uh, and I like I tra- taught myself how to animate on the computer and, oh, cool. and sort of do this stuff as like a 13 year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I don't I don't remember exactly what the uh, motivation was, but I decided at some point that I wanted to do something you know, with my career or to earn money that I enjoyed doing and, and, uh, uh, you know, drawing and kind of making art was sort of always part of that. And so as I got into high school, I started doing design work, making posters for high school, you know, rock bands, the the garage bands and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And so I saw maybe graphic design is kind of a middle ground in a way where it's more, there's more sort of commercial, uh, aspects of it, but it's still creative and, and, uh, and artsy, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's, uh, you're right. I mean, it is something that you don't know where, where it could lead, right. It's, Mm -hmm. it certainly is like, you know, riskier, um, especially on the more artistic side or the side where there's, you know, no guaranteed sort of, uh, you know, day job or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, uh, and, you know, to the point about, you know, kids, I think, you know, this is something, um, I think there's a Ruskin, John Ruskin quotes for like, you know, uh, it's, I'm just going to paraphrase, but he's like, kids should, um, uh, kids should be taught to 
draw like they're taught to read and write. Right. Yeah. This, you know, this is sure. British philosopher from, yep. you know, a while ago. Right. And it was, he's just really on point. You know, I think like it's, it's a skill that everyone should continue on with. And it's, it's like something that, yeah, I used to draw, I get this so often. I used to draw as a kid. Yeah. That's yeah. what people yeah. say to me. You, you get your, I hated chemistry. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I get, I yeah. get, I get, Oh yeah. I used to draw as a kid. I used to draw all the time as a kid. I stopped. I don't, you know, I don't know why it stops and and there's something there's something to that i'm not sure i have the solution right but, but yeah. um yeah no i i think there is there's a you know something to be said for knowing how to draw and to kind of appreciate it on that on the same level that we do with with reading and writing yeah yeah sure. hmm. yeah there's something to be said though because it while you might not not necessarily have a, a paycheck that comes in if you're in if you're doing freelance work if you're not working for a company or something like that but you we've had artists for thousands like as long as we've had humanity as long as we've had society so it's yeah. not like the profession is going to go away mm-hmm. and, it, and it, it, you're adapting with technology and you're including kind of kind of in, incorporating new ways of drawing and new ways of producing art into your process so it's not like you're going to get left behind if all of a sudden people are only looking for that. So it seems relatively safe. Yeah, I think you're right. I think like there's always been art through, you know, cultures and societies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's used, you know, sometimes it's used in different ways. I mean, you look at the Soviet Union and and there was sort of, there's this very propaganda kind of like element to it. And um, you look at, you know, maybe the Renaissance times or, uh, and uh, you had, you know, uh, aristocrats, you know, uh, have, you know, having, being patrons of, of an artist and like, yeah, come draw my family and draw my castle and yeah, yeah. whatever. And I'll make sure you're fed the rest of the year and you go do whatever, but come back every year and make, you know, sure, do, yeah. do some sketches of us and yeah, paintings yeah. and make a nice, you know, painting of my kids as they're growing up and all sure. this sort of stuff. So, um, you know, and I think now we're in this, um, I think we're kind of in this weird trend transition period, but, um, you know, the sort of era of, of, you know, obviously the like corporate, uh, you know, corporatization of, of everything and, and, you know, using, uh, you know, art in, um, you know, as, as a method to make profit and, and, uh, you know, to, to market things to people and to appeal. I mean, we live in such, it's such a visual heavy world that we yeah, live yeah. in, right. It's like everything is, is just saturated with images and, um, you know, and at the same time, we live in a capitalist corporate world where the, you know, the point of things is to make as much money as they can. Sure. And if you can profit off of an image or an art, you know, an artist, then, then that's fair game, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I agree. I think that it's, I think it's, yeah, it's not going to go away. It's not, we were painting on walls right. whatever, 40,000, exactly. 40,000 yeah. years ago. And it's, it stayed consistent through and yeah, it's more of a question of how do we, you know, where it goes and how, how we kind of like support artists yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you, do you find a lot of work uh, locally in Ottawa or do you go to the internet for, you know, to do most of your business? In terms of like who I'm selling stuff to or yeah, it's, it's, it's very Ottawa based for sure. Oh, I mean, partly because yeah. my, my work is, is so Ottawa centric. Right. Um, Seems like that. 
Yeah, but uh, I do I do find myself, you know, uh, sending stuff down to Toronto. Or uh, people are always connected to Ottawa. I used to live in Ottawa, and I'm over in Vancouver. Okay, type thing. So yeah, that that's sure. what it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to expand out a bit more too. Yeah, sure. Mm, yeah. And what what kind of stuff are you? Or how do you plan on expanding? Well, I'm trying to do uh, some a bit of more traveling. So I was down in Toronto this summer doing sketches of Toronto. So I'm just going to try and do the same thing that I'm doing in Ottawa, you know, Toronto-based. Uh, I'm doing a, a trip to Spain. I'm house-sitting in Spain in November. I'm going to try and do some some stuff like that there oh, as well. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how that will work uh, with language and everything, but... Um, yeah, and and uh, yeah, so I think I think that's it. Kind of just yeah. going to other places really is is my first my first step. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 So believe it or not, we're actually running up on time, but there are a lot of other things that I want to <laughs> cover with you because you are a fascinating person. <laughs> so uh, well, first first and foremost, so we'll just jump through a bunch of this sure. if we can. Uh, but uh, I, I'm just curious what. What are some of the things you just like about the city, like uh, uh, about Ottawa? Aside from you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about what you're 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 drawing, but you, you talked about uh, in in your interview form. We talked a bit about the the cultural scene. Scene. You talk about you know pushing the boundaries a little bit. Can you can you touch on your your thoughts on Ottawa? Sure. Yeah, I, I think that um, you know my experience in Ottawa, and I've been here about ten years, is that it's um, you know Ottawa's on the verge of, or it's been you know, pushing into, into this area that other cities already exist in. And it's nice to be part of a growing cultural scene. Yeah. Um, so we've seen the rise of, you know, just look at the independent cafes that have come up in, in 10 years in Ottawa and having, you know, independent music shows and putting on art shows there and poetry shows and all this stuff. Uh, and, you know, so I think Ottawa is starting to, you know, come out into the world in that sort of cultural um, sense. And it's also nice as a creative person to be in the city uh, during this period because you feel like you can have an impact on things. You can, you can, you know, uh, network and, and meet the people that, that are involved in, in the, in the scene. Whereas, you know, in a bigger city like Toronto or New York or whatever, it's kind of like a small fish in a big pond type type situation. Whereas right. I think Ottawa, there's much more opportunity to build something that you that you want to build. Um, yeah, so I I really was uh, very yeah pleasantly surprised uh, by the uh, you know cultural scene that was already you know sort of flourishing in Ottawa when I moved here. Right. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and how about the, the idea of uh, of pushing uh, uh, pushing the boundaries uh, and, and sort of, like, in your words, uh, against the bureaucracy or inherent uh, yeah. conservatism? Yeah. So I think that is, you know, maybe inevitable with any kind of government town. You do yes. have you do have this underlying bureaucracy and people who have that bureaucratic mindset, and that applies maybe to their work, but also to the way that they go about their life outside of work and, you know, things have to be done, you know, by the book and the rules and you can't go out of, you know, don't go out of the lines type thing. Mm-hmm, right. Um, so I think that having a community of people who are not, um, you know, following that uh, route is a healthy thing for a city. Yeah. Um, I think you want to have, uh, you know, you, a good city has diversity on, on all levels, right? Course, yes. Uh, and, and so I think that, um, being able to kind of broaden the minds of, you know, having people like, you know, I don't want to say counterculture, but that idea of, um, a, a culture in Ottawa that is at least making it accessible for 
the, you know, um, whatever the bureaucrats, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I feel like that's a little, uh, I don't say derogatory, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, <laughs> no, uh, but, but, you know, the policymakers in the city to have, and, and, and for me, it's been, you know, I feel like there's this, you can feel that they, that they want, they, yeah, I want to support the arts. I want to go to shows. I want to do something strange and different and, and to break the sort of the, the, you know, monotony of, of this sort of everyday um, thing. I want to see things that are new, different. Yes. Um, so I think that, that it's, and it's, and it's great for artists as well, because there is, because that, that there is that uh, group of people with stable jobs and, and decent paychecks, sure. you know, I look, I'd like to buy some of your art, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, mm. support this. Um, I, I'm going to go to music shows, uh, on a Tuesday night, you know, because it's there and I want to support it and I want to make sure that, you know, it happens again. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And, and in that you, you even, uh, uh, well, you've at least done work, if not taken the lead on this this Patreon campaign that 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 helps people do that as well, right? That's right. Yeah. So I've started very recently a Patreon campaign, uh, which is patreon.com slash Colin White. Uh, and it's, it's a uh, website that uh, allows artists and other creatives to generate a sustainable income. So it gives, it's sort of a cross between a Kickstarter and a subscription type thing where uh, fans of your artwork can uh, kick in uh, a little bit of money on a monthly basis. And that would, you know, at a certain point create, uh, could create a little bit of a monthly paycheck for an artist. Um, you know, so rather than a Kickstarter where you're going for $10,000 or $100,000 and that's it to do a big project, Patreon's looking for allowing artists to, uh, you know, develop a career around the website, around, around, uh, you know, this, this possibility on the website. So in my case, I'm, looking at yeah like the sort of idea of a subscription model so people could kick in three bucks a month and they could get they would get like yearly art postcards five bucks a month you're going to get a bigger print and a postcard and a discount code on my website and then as you go up you might get original uh, originals in the mail and stuff like this or as you go up higher you could bring me somewhere and have me do a week-long commission of whatever you want whatever wow. you want drawn hmm. so it's sort of this whole range of things and then obviously in return i'm getting you know i'm hopefully getting you know some recurring income which is always nice yes. and um you know if if that sort of builds i am working towards goals of my own um which which i've tied to um kind of economic um levels um so the idea of like you know number one is like you know food nourishment you know so like right. stop stop the starving artist type thing get it 500 bucks a month whatever and then rent is the next one and then basic mm. living costs so this idea of like universal basic income yeah you know, like but, yeah. you know what you might need to live and then and so on um upwards to to and the last one is sort of a bit of a cheeky take on the um i don't know if you guys have heard this like happiness income the seventy thousand dollar scientific yeah. uh the, ma- of, the cap on yeah the you cap get on happiness oh, yeah, yeah. Heard, yeah. Heard, so yes. it's like you know if you're making 50 if you're making sixty two thousand dollars a year and you get a raise yep. to seventy thousand yeah. dollars a year that's going to make you happier but if you're making uh you know seventy thousand dollars and you get a raise to one hundred seventy thousand dollars that apparently won't make you much happier right. Interesting. so so i'm that's sort of the upper the upper limit on mine uh which is a long ways away and and you know we'll <laughs> Yeah, we'll see, I guess. But uh yeah, so it's 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 an experiment. Uh yeah. it's it's um um it's gonna be an you know interesting climb. I know it's gonna be uh 
you know, and not, it's not going to be overnight. I definitely, no, no, it's course. not going to be overnight, but, um, yeah, it's something that I, I, when I first heard about it, I believed that it was, uh, a great idea for artists. Like it just made sense that, mm-hmm. you know, you could do this. And also there are podcasts doing using Patreon. So yes. what? yeah, yeah. Oh, man. just should've, saying, you should have told us that. We're, uh, we're well, I'm telling you now, I mean, this, I, <laughs> we are, I am kind of using it. I knew yeah. about Patreon the day well it before launched. So, okay. Yeah. So like I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I can, I can, uh, I can give you guys the down low as well and, and help you. Uh, oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, you go. Great. You, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Off air. Maybe. Yeah, of course. <laughs> sure, no, no worries. <laughs> uh, and finally, the, the last thing I, I, I just want to hear your thoughts on, because you have a, I, I would say you, you, well, you have a different take on Ottawa than maybe I would. Uh, but, right. uh, and, and first of all, just in your appreciation of it, um, you have a stance on on the way vacant buildings or structures have been uh, mm. uh, treated, and uh, the two examples that have come up uh, are Somerset House and and the Prince of Wales Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to touch on that briefly? Yes, so that's a series I've been working on as well. So I've been, uh, you know, illustrating uh, vacant buildings around the city, and I kind of Somerset House is a glaring example. Yeah. Seriously, um, and um, but there's also a number of. Um, yeah, old houses, brick houses. Um, there's a, quite a few on um, Nepean and Lisger uh, between Bank and uh, Metcalf. There's a few in that stretch. There's a there's a row on Lisger near Bay Street, hmm. um, and there's some scattered kind of all around it, uh, the city. And I just I kept passing by these things and thinking like, what is going on? Like, how do yeah. we? How is this happening? How are these nice old buildings boarded up and, um, you know, beside them are, look, you know, pleasant yards and families and people coming and going and doing their thing. And, um, we, you know, we live in a capital city. We live in an affluent city. We in an affluent country. How, how is this happening? And so what I've learned is, for one, the city drops the property tax if you have a vacant building. So landlords pay a third of property tax if the, huh. if their building is vacant. So okay. there's actually at a certain point some incentive for for a landlord to just let the place kind of go. Mm-hmm. They're not paying as much property tax. They don't have to deal with tenants and they know that they wait a few years they're going to be able to sell that to you know right. a developer yeah. or or whatever it is and and that's that. Um I also it's huh. I think it's also um you know, an environmental thing. Um, you know, it's not, it's not in our best interest to necessarily build a new building. Uh, you know, if, if you're, you know, concerned about the environment and carbon, you know, climate change, all this sort of stuff, the, the, you know, it it would be best for us to kind of maintain these buildings and repair them, put new windows in, put, you know, better insulation, but kind of keep those structures in place. And, and then it's also sort of a part of heritage at a certain point. And that's that's where, you know, some of these houses, certainly there aren't heritage houses by any means, but they're, they're nice old buildings, you know, brick buildings. Somerset house is heritage. And, and which is kind of disgraceful when you actually think about it, it, that it's being just kind of left to, it is disgraceful. And, and there's, you know, there is this, um, you know, weird thing going on with the landlord in the city. Mm. And, and mm-hmm. there's, there's been a law, you know, it's been a, a law, you know, court stuff, legal yeah, battle, yeah, yeah. that type of stuff. Oh, so it's complicated, right. but, um, I, I, you know, I don't know if I, I, I don't want to blame anyone or I don't want to say, well, this should have happened or, or yeah. whatever. I, um, and I know like mayor, our, our mayor has said that, uh, you know, he wouldn't want to expropriate the building cause that's like, 
you know, putting this on the taxpayers yeah, and whatever. Yeah. I yeah. Dis- I kind of disagree with that. I think that this is this is something that should be preserved and at a certain point it's the responsibility of the city and the public to do that and it's like the I think the public would benefit if Somerset House was restored and turned into I mean let yeah, let's buy it and turn it into a public space. Yeah, let's make yeah. it into a museum or something. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, spend some money on it. You spend money on some ridiculous things sometimes. <laughs> sure. So let's 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 do that. And so the Prince of Wales Bridge, which is the other, you know, it's obviously in the news and, and sort of controversial lately as well. I mean, that's it's also complicated. There's this liability thing. Yep. Um, there's this long term plan to possibly have that as a as a rail mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. bridge connecting Gatineau. I don't know if that will ever happen. <laughs> right. You know, I've been wondering if there's some middle ground where you know, the city could put up, could spend that money that they're building on fences and gates and security guards and all this sort of stuff to, <laughs> to, you know, do, do some sort of, um, you know, safety improvements, but maybe allow it to be a, a rail bridge down the line. My other thought on that is, I think there is a clear demand for a pedestrian crossing across the Ottawa River oh, from, from Ottawa to Gatineau. Yeah because of the amount of people that use that and they want a nice structure for, for cyclists and pedestrians and, and dogs and, and all this sort of stuff. And whether it's that bridge or a new bridge. Right. So it, to me, it seems like we might have a train bridge, but we're definitely having people crossing the river and they want to cross. They're going, they're not using the other bridges that are already yeah, there. They're yeah. willing to trespass to use a, a nicer space and so, in my opinion, I think that we should look into doing that one way or another, whether it's using that bridge, developing a new one, leaving that one for the rail, whatever it is. Um, you know, that's that's obviously a bigger, you know, longer term thing. But uh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. No, yeah. I like that. Mm. Okay. Well, with that, we are now up on time, but uh, I, I do want to give you a chance to plug anything you want to plug. So your website, uh, Twitter handle, Patreon, anything. Yeah. So uh, real quick, uh, my website is colinwhite.ca and that's c-o-l-i-n white like the color uh patreon.com slash colin white twitter and instagram at colin white all pretty straightforward you you were right on top of this i was apparently on top yeah Yeah. i got i got them all i didn't get snapchat but i don't think i care about that there you go yeah someday what's the other colin white do you know what his handle is Hockey guy. The, the hockey guy, yeah, he's he's got a few things after his name. I don't know. I don't know if the, at Mr. Colin White. Mr. Yeah, no, I think Z. it's like it's like. Well, he's like because he's like nineteen, right? So it's like you know, is the birth date? His birth date, ninety-seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 two thousand and one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Rob, where can the listeners find us? The listeners can head to ottawatpodcast.com and. We are on iTunes. You can go to Stitcher Radio. Apparently, Stitcher Radio has really... They got bought over the summer, and apparently oh. they've really upped their game. So uh, if you don't use iTunes at all, and if you're not unsatisfied with podcasts on Android, you can apparently check out Stitcher. It's gotten better. But uh, Ottawa Podcast on Twitter, and just search Ottawa on Facebook. Okay. And Keegan, what is Ottawa News? Ottawa News is our fake news website. It's, it's satire, some would say. Hmm. And uh, we just write uh, outrageous headlines and uh, bait people into getting mad and think it's real. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah it does. Okay. Well, with that, uh, Colin, uh, we'll let you end the podcast by saying Ottawa. Ottawa.